Good evening, everybody. Welcome into the Nittany Lions Sports Report. It's live here on Bob Long Sports. Bob Long, Tyler Gellhouse alongside, and whew, everybody take a deep breath after the whiteout. What a game that was at Beaver Stadium, Tyler. Penn State jumps out 21 to nothing. And then Michigan starts crawling their way back. And that really structured, not necessarily a big play offense, but controlling tempo, timing, etc. Make their way all the way back to a seven-point deficit. And then a very auspicious for Penn State. Dropped touchdown pass. And that essentially gave Penn State the victory. We'll talk a lot about that, about the key play that sealed it for Penn State on our Blitz segment. And then, yes, we're going to talk to our guest picker here this evening. He pre-taped the show because he lives in San Francisco but flew in for the express purpose of making picks here on the (laughs) Nittany Lions Sports Report. Rob Kelly, the captain of the Bush League Open Championship uh, Cup team, uh, team competition that we do each year, and the commissioner of the league itself. Excited to talk to him. It's one of the better amateur athletics organizations that we see in the country. And actually, our guys, Ruffs Golf Club, associated with Bob Long Sports, participate in a team competition with them each year. So excited to have Rob on. That'll be later here in the episode. But first, Tyler, your main takeaways from a guy who was in the building on Saturday evening and on campus throughout the day of the whiteout and everything that accompanies it. It was um, obviously any win is a win. Um, it wasn't necessarily pretty down the stretch. You know, you mentioned up 21 nothing, uh, winning the game 28-21. A win is a win. Uh, defense was able to make a stop at the end. But overall, uh, the atmosphere was electric up there. Uh, one of the loudest I've ever heard, Beaver Stadium. Um, beautiful day. Uh, the weather was perfect, 60 degrees, tailgating, perfect weather. College game day was held at the Hub Lawn, um, usually held at Old Main most recently the last two years, but this year, since due to construction, they had um, college game day at um, the Hub Hub Lawn, which was, I thought, a really nice location for it. I stopped by because it's like uh, there's a little bit of an incline for the fans on a hill, and it was easier for them to view the actual show, um, and it was it was really good turnout. Um, you know, it was a great day for Penn State. Um, you know, just from pretty much being able to show off everything, um, and then and then cap it off with a nightcap win, whiteout against Michigan. Uh, you know, I talked about how loud the game was. The first play of the game, Michigan had to call a timeout after the kick. Um, you know, they were trotting around offense out. I guess Patterson and Harbaugh didn't communicate or whatever, but they had to call a timeout on the first play, and that really just energized the crowd even more. Um, But, you know, Penn State did jump out to a 21-point lead. I thought it was going to be smooth sailing. Um, Credit Michigan, they made some adjustments. Um, You know, for the most part, Patterson played an okay game outside the interception of Castro Fields, Um, but they really didn't have any explosive plays on their offense like Penn State did. I feel like that was a difference in the game. Michigan relied a lot on the, uh, the bubble screen. Um, to the receivers, which Penn State was having difficult defending. Um, Penn State also had a difficult time getting to the quarterback. I mean, Michigan, they said it was the best O-line that they've played all year. And we knew going into that, we talked about, especially you, Bob, that Michigan's O-line is very good. Penn State had trouble getting home. Um, they stopped the run incredibly well again. Um, Char- Charbonnet did have a couple of uh, touchdown runs there. Um, but, you know, I mean, it was it was a really good win for Penn State. And... Um, you know, th- this is their 2-0 on this three-game gauntlet here. 
Um, and then they have they have Michigan State, who's been a thorn in their side the last couple years, uh, Saturday on the road in East Lansing. So um, we'll see. I, I feel pretty good going into it, but um, college football is pretty crazy, as we saw with uh, Illinois and Wisconsin this week. 2-0 in that three-game gauntlet, as you mentioned. Michigan State on the road this weekend for Penn State. Very much looking forward to that game. It's a bit of a different game than what we expected it would be to begin the year. But for those of you that are watching either on Facebook or Twitter or after the fact on YouTube, uh, sorry for our SoundCloud and, Cloud and iTunes listeners, but MSU is Bush League, of course, related to our good friends at the Bush League Open Championship. We'll talk to Rob Kelly as our guest picker and kind of explain that in a little bit more detail, but that's their logo there. So 2-0 in that three-game gauntlet. Let's get back to that Michigan game, though. Uh, I think we saw that this Penn State defensive line can continue to be very effective against high-quality offensive lines. Listen, if you remember, Tyler, last year we did a blitz segment about pulling guards for Michigan and running power sets where you get the guard hitting that gap and pushing linebackers downfield, kind of overloading one side after the snap. Ben Bredesen, Michael Onwenu, still there, but these are guys that, didn't have as much success, nearly as much success, this year blocking downfield than they did last year against Penn State. I think you give a more experienced and better gap-controlling Micah Parsons a huge amount of credit for that, as well as, of course, Yitro Gross Matos, who's willing and able to slide inside. Robert Windsor, who had another great game, and the rest of this front seven who... It almost doesn't matter which piece you put in there right now. They're all playing fantastic, and that ability to put multiple pieces in is giving them a depth that they have not had in recent years. And so I, I think you have to, first and foremost, start with Brent's prize side, Sean Spencer's wild dogs, and, uh, and think about that as a reason that Penn State is able to win this football game. We've talked in the past, Tyler, about how an otherwise great defense has gotten worn down because of a lack of time mm -hmm. of possession on the offensive side and too many plays in a row without significant rest for the defense. I think you would consider the circumstances behind this game similar to circumstances that have caused their demise in the past. Right. And a defense just hung on for dear life in a time where the offense, unfortunately, from a plays perspective and a time of possession perspective, didn't help them out. Yeah, it kind of you kind of got the feeling of the whiteout the year before against Ohio State, uh, even the feeling of two years ago in the horseshoe when Penn State blew a huge lead uh, when they were ranked number two. This game had the similar feelings, up twenty-one nothing. Um, you know, it, looking at the box score right now, actually, it's unbelievable that Penn State actually won the game. Um, you know, I think Penn State is a better team though. I don't think it's like some crazy thing that they won and they shouldn't have, uh, but. First downs, Michigan 26 to 14. Um, total yards, 417 to 283, Michigan. Time of possession, 38 minutes to 22 minutes. I mean, and that's in the defense, as they were getting worn down, though, they still hung tough late, which was very impressive because if that game goes overtime, I'm not sure I like Penn State's chances in overtime um, because Michigan was riding a hot hand at the time. Uh, but Penn State's defense hung in tough. Um, gave out gave up the most points they did all year with 21, um, but Michigan earned every single one of those points, even the one the quarterback sneak, um, which you know I think he did score, but 
Um, it was just kind of weird the way the referee kind of like signaled him down and then they kind of gave him, but there was no evidence that you could say one, you know, the call on the field had to be right. There's just, you know, um, but they the defense. I mean, they were out there the majority of the game and, and kept coming up big with stops, um, when it mattered most really. So it's interesting. And a small faction of our fan base may care about this, but we broadcasted a LaSalle high school football game on Friday night. And it was a similar play fourth and goal from the one LaSalle hands it off to the tailback, dives for the end zone, pile of bodies, same situation. And the line judge ran in trying to untangle bodies, and it felt like a 10-second runoff, essentially, before anybody made a call. And then you saw the head referee wave his arms like this. That which would mean it's a stop, and it's not a touchdown, and it's down at a certain yard line that is not crossing the plane. Right. But really what was happening in that situation was the referees were saying, hey, we're going to stop, stop the, the clock. clock. Right, right, right. But there was still no call from the side judge. Side judge then, five seconds later, touchdown. And it felt like I was watching the same thing again the very next night. Was that a close game at the time? It was. It was a <laughs> fourth down and goal with two minutes left uh, to tie the football game and send it to overtime. And LaSalle scored the touchdown. Scored the touchdown. Who were, they, who were they playing? Archbishop Wood. Who ended up winning that game? Archbishop Wood Did won in really? overtime on a blocked extra point. Oh, my God. At the end of the first overtime. Mark Farzetta of 97.5, the Fanatic, he and Jamie Lynch of 97.5, the Fanatic. I saw a picture of that. Farzetta must be going nuts. Yep, he was excited. He had the excited. jersey on. <laughs> he was excited. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad the word was spreading. I'm glad you it saw the picture. It was 97.5, too. Bob got a shout, uh, shout out. Shout out from Mark Farzetta uh, on his morning show last week. I actually got a text from a buddy that said, oh, they just talked about Bob Long on 97.5. So I shot you a text, and you're like, oh, that's awesome. But, Matt, it really is cool that Bob was able to get those two guys from 97.5 morning show to uh, commentate the game with the Archbishop Wood uh, LaSalle game. They, they seem to really enjoy themselves. But anyway, I was sitting there on Friday night thinking, man, I've, I don't think I've ever seen – it take this long to untangle wow. bodies on the goal line. And then the very next night, I saw the exact same, same thing. Same thing all over again. Yep. Uh, but, but again, Michigan scores that touchdown and gets another chance, clearly, right, to get down the field. And a dropped touchdown pass in the end zone is the difference. But still, 2 minutes, 50 seconds, Penn State looking to – find a way to close out in the quote-unquote four-minute offense, and they do so with a key first down. Yeah. Noah Kane, two touches, seven yards, sets up third and three. Those are two of his five touches over the entirety of that football game, a guy that just last week they talked about leaning on as their number one guy. Now, he was also the leading running back rusher in terms of number of tosses. Sean Clifford had 11 rushes for under 20 yards. So you start to ask yourself questions, and of course you're taking what the defense gives you. If you're running a read option, which they do a lot, and the defensive end that is left on block goes after the running back, okay, Sean Glifford has to pull that football. But in those situations, you'd expect him to get more than 1.5 yards per carry. And so you start to ask questions going forward at 7-0, at the number six team in the country and in control of your own destiny. We'll leave that all out there. But with that said, you start to ask yourself some questions. When you're up 21-0 in the second quarter, 
How do you start to, and I'm not saying salt the game away, but manage your play calling to run clock, to wear down a defensive front in Michigan that now recognizes the challenge in front of them and start to manage this football game a little bit differently? That's the question. It is, and it's it's a question that we've actually had for the last couple of seasons. Uh, Even when Joe Moorhead was the offensive coordinator, there were some games – you know how do you you know run out the clock win these type of games um it's 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 a it's a concern for sure um you know because you know Penn State could have put that game away very early um not necessarily by halftime but you know third quarter um I, I don't know if it's a psychological thing or it's the other team making adjustments um in that case uh, Don Brown is known for making great adjustments, uh, the defensive coordinator at Michigan. I don't know if, you know, I, I don't I don't know, but I, it is something to be concerned about uh, moving forward um, because eventually, like we saw the last two years against Ohio State, it, it could nip you in the, in the butt again. And um, But on the flip side, the last two games against Iowa and Michigan this year, I was impressed with the ability to close the game out on offense with first downs because that's also something that they've struggled with in the past. And I think that that's a big step forward for this team as well, being able to close the game out by running the ball, getting the first downs, and icing the game. Another thing that I I think is an interesting storyline is we think about Ricky Ronnie, who was given the job of offensive coordinator leading into – uh, after Joe Moorhead's departure, right, Ronnie takes the job. Who else was – in theory, in the line for that job was Josh Gaddis, a wide receivers coach at the time, a young and up-and-coming type guy who then made a lateral move to Alabama to take the very same post under Nick Saban. Does a great job there, thought of very highly. They send some receivers to the NFL, of course. <laughs> and he has an opportunity to join Jim Harbaugh's staff now as the offensive coordinator for the Michigan Wolverines. Now, juxtapose that again with the fact that Ricky Ronnie is now a couple years into his tenure and people have concerns as to his play calling. And some folks, I think at the beginning of the year, to a man would say, man, wouldn't it be nice if Josh Gaddis was coaching this offense and was still here with Penn State? What did you think about his play call in a year in which he has been scrutinized in his first role of that you know, of that valor. Yeah, I think um, they had some questionable play calls, Michigan. Um, you know, I think they had like a third and six late in the game, and they ran the ball. Kind of reminded me of Penn State's fourth and five last year against Ohio State that ended the game. Um, there were there were some questionable calls, um, but, you know, they made adjustments when they were down 21 nothing on, on offense, too, and he got them moving. Um, I do think that they Penn State had a lot of trouble stopping the bubble screen. It went for a couple big gains. Um, but it, to be honest with you, I didn't watch, um, I, I kind of forgot when I was watching the game that he was a coordinator. Um, I mean, I knew that he was, but it is an interesting discussion though, because, um, you know, that he, he wanted that game more than anybody to prove, you know, to Franklin in a sense that, you know, you hired the wrong guy type of thing. And I mean, his offense did play pretty well. I mean, we went over the overall stats already. Um, but it just, it just wasn't enough. Penn state made the bigger plays in that game and, and ultimately got the stop. Uh, but something to still watch moving forward is the development of Ricky Ronnie. We already mentioned the flaws, and um, and really to see how how Gaddis uh, 
if, if he can continue to grow. I mean, Michigan's offense has, has gotten better every uh, recently, the last couple of weeks, and they'll have another test on uh, Saturday night against Notre Dame. We talk a lot about Ricky Ronnie and some of the struggles that he's had calling plays. This week on the Blitz, where we go to the whiteboard, we're going to talk about a moment that he shined and a moment that he needed to shine. At the end of the football game, a brilliant call, and we're going to break down that play step by step. But the question still will be, where is that creativity over the course of a football game? Where is that creativity when Michigan makes it 21-7 to and you don't want to get to that point where you're making that call in the winning moments of the football game? So we'll talk about that and a lot more. Um, I wanted to ask you about the atmosphere at Beaver Stadium, but specifically regarding college game day and all of the ceremonies and activities prior to kickoff. Yeah, I mean, college game day, it's their third, it was their third straight year at Penn State. Um, and the crowd has not, um, the crowd has stayed steady, strong the whole time, every, every year. I mean, you know, the first year you're expecting, um, you know, rah, rah. And then the second year it's like, okay, here we go again. And then the third year it's like, well, maybe they won't get as many people. But the crowd's actually, it looks to me like it's growing. Um, it was, like I said earlier, it was a perfect day weather-wise. College game day on the Hub Lawn. I thought it was a really good location. Um, I thought the stage and the backdrop and everything was is great for the viewers. Um, you know, uh, tailgating was, was unbelievable. Um, the crowd's up there. It was it it was just insane, um, and, and then the game itself. I mean, the I think the stadium was full about thirty minutes prior to kickoff. Um, you know, we always say it, and I know you're you're really into traveling. Um, I know you went to Florida a year or two ago to the swamp. Any any college football sports fans out there that um, haven't been to a Penn State whiteout game at night, it it's it's got to be on your bucket list. I mean, it it really is. You know, I'm obviously a little biased towards it because I go to it every year, but you, you need to to fork the money up and really do it because it's unbelievable. Um, it's something that you can't you can't really explain until you go there and and really witness it. It's it's people stand the whole game screaming. Um, it's just it's unbelievable. I think that it was an unbelievable exposition and um, and showcase for Penn State. Kirk Herbstreit said at the end of the game, this is the best student section in the country and it's not close. Mm -hmm. And he said that in the past, going back as far as I believe 2005 is when he originally made the statement, the Troy Smith game. Yeah, I mean, Penn State gets unbelievable publicity from game day up until the the game's over. I mean, it's it's literally the, even on ESPN during during the week. I mean, they're showing uh, you know, commercial advertisements for the whiteout and, and, you know, highlights from years past and pe people, college football fans love it. No matter what their team is, they're, they're, they're glued to the TV for that game. Yeah, I agreed. In fact, uh, so we talk about LaSalle football from time to time because we also broadcast it here on Bob Long Sports. Ryan Wills, Abdul Carter, Sam Brown, all up there for the whiteout. Wills, I believe all of them from the class of 19, I'm sorry, geez, 19, <laughs> 2022. So all, all sophomores, sophomores that okay. they're going to be looking at. I, I think I'm right on Wills there. But, uh, but great to see them up there. 175 recruits 
unbelievable the amount of recruits that were up there on the sideline. A lot of and them they all their, got a, a lot of them paying their own way, right, unofficials, yeah, right? But it's great. I mean, it's it's absolutely unbelievable for Penn State to showcase themselves in that way, and then win the football game. And then talking about recruiting, you're also hitting the recruits that aren't able to go to the game that are just watching it on TV, right? You know, guys, they're they're dipping into Florida now and. Oh, they're really recruiting at a national stage, and these guys are, you know, watching it at home, and they're like, "Oh my God!" Like, you know, I got to get up there, you know. And all of a sudden, they're interested in Penn State. Oh, by the way, the class of 2028, the class of 2029, the ones that haven't started <laughs> high school yet, they're in sixth grade, seventh grade, right. and there's something about the flicker in their eye when they watch a whiteout. Maybe they're from PA, maybe they're from Jersey, maybe they're from DMV, and something sticks in their mind. I'm going to think about Penn State down the road. There's something about a game like that Absolutely. in that setting. And Kirk Herbstreet, the voice of college football, telling you that there is no atmosphere like Penn State. It is impossible to really identify the full permeating value of something like this. It goes yeah. beyond just the and, kids and, in high and school. It's, and, it's, and it's way more than the, the three, three-and-a-half-hour game. I mean, it's, it's literally an all-day event. Yep. Like it's an all-day event from college game day to tailgating – Nothing like it. So Penn State, a 28-21 winner. So that's the good, right? And we've talked a little bit about the not so good. But at the end of the day, my thought is this. This team has a lot of improving to do, Tyler. They need to not rely as heavily on the big play, though the big play is going to be helpful in them winning a lot of football games. The time of possession has been an issue. And when the big plays are hitting, that's beautiful. It's just not always going to be the case. They are putting a lot of pressure on their defense right now. However, in the time between now and Ohio State that they need to figure that out, they play a struggling Michigan State team on the road, and that's not to discount this game. Off of a bye, Michigan State is. Off of a bye. Penn State's going to have a bye in there. They're going to play Indiana. They're going to play Minnesota. And then it's not until late – November, November 23rd, where they go to the Horseshoe and play Ohio State. And so I think that's important to remember. Yes, this team is not a completed product, but let's be honest, folks didn't think this team was going to be a completed product until 2020. Right? This was thought of as a team that was going to be ready to compete seriously for a college football playoff next year. And here they are, a year ahead of schedule, playing great football, with a month to prepare for their most important game, needing to win the games in between, yes. But what more could you possibly ask for? Yeah, I mean, nothing at at this point. Um, Obviously, there's going to be people that are greedy out there, and, you know, Iowa should have been a bigger win, Michigan should have been a bigger win, but this is a very young team, new quarterback, replacing Trace McSorley. Um, It's a very young team with, with the majority coming back next year, obviously you'll have the NFL departures here and there, um, but you're, you're, you're spot on. I mean, 2020 is thought to be the year that they could finally break through, and, and right now they're in striking distance. You mentioned it earlier. They control their own destiny. They have three very tough games still on their schedule, and, and Indiana's no cakewalk either. Yep. Um, Rutgers, however, is a cakewalk. Um, <laughs> but, um, As we'll I, find out at, in our pick em <laughs> later tonight. At, at, um, at Michigan State this, this week has not, not been easy for the last couple of years for Penn State. Then a bye. Then you go to Minnesota, who is undefeated right now. Schedule, not there, um, but they're undefeated, and it's on the road. Then you come home for Indiana, and then you go to Ohio State. You know – 
there's a good chance it comes down to the Ohio State game. On the road is going to be extremely, extremely tough, especially the way they're playing right now. Um, I don't know if there's a better team in the country, maybe outside of LSU or a more um, uh, complete team um, than Ohio State and LSU right now. So, But all you can ask for is a shot, and right now this team's giving you a shot. Uh, whether it's, Whether it's pretty or not, whether you like the running back rotation or not, whether you like the play calling or not, this team's in it. They're going to be in it. So um, if they just take care of business, these next couple of weeks are set up for a primetime showdown with Ohio State. And I look forward to that for sure. Anything more you want to talk about on the Michigan side before we go to the blitz? You know, I, I would love to talk about the running back rotation, but it, we could talk about that every week. Um, I don't I, even know if it's a rotation. You know what? I don't know. Noah Kane, five carries. I don't Jerry know. Brown, four. But they won. Slate, three. So, I mean, Ben Slate had Ford the big run. Won. Yes, and Slate had the big run. It really, to me, some people are like, oh, you need two running backs. To me, it really doesn't matter. I would like to have two, but if it ain't broke, don't fix it, I guess. I mean, yeah, whatever. Um, but it I, goes back to the same issue, though, Tyler, that we've talked about all year, is that Fryermuth is a huge target. K.J. Hamler is an unbelievable playmaker that you need to get involved. Justin Shorter isn't getting the football enough. Dotson's an unbelievable route runner right. and needs to get the football more. Four running backs need to get the football how do we get Clifford involved with the running game as well? There were only 52, 54 snaps in the football game. And so 25 runs, Clifford gets 11 of them. Yeah. That's not many rushes. Right. And so it doesn't matter whether you have one running back. You're not getting anybody in a groove by not running the football. Yeah. And, and they only had a 14 rushes total from guys not named Sean Clifford. No, I, and that includes K.J. Hamler, who took one at the end of the football game. And got the win. Um, but I, I would like to say that the um, the offensive line continues to prove me wrong. I mean, um, they're, finally, they're finally actually um, <laughs> living up to expectations, I would say. I mean, there were a lot of questions going on this year about the line. Uh, Walker at left tackle has been very good for a redshirt freshman. The guard platoon of Miranda and Thorpe has been working out great, splitting snaps pretty much 50-50. I know you're going to talk about Thorpe in a little bit on the blitz. Um, it's It's been a very solid line um, that continues to improve, and, and that's a big reason this team is where they are as well. The Nittany Lions Sports Report is live here on Bob Long Sports. Bob Long, Tyler Galehouse. We're going to take a break and come back on the other side, talk a lot about the play calling at the end of the football game, why it went so well, and what were the key pieces that actually put that football game away. And then after that, Rob Kelly, the commissioner of the Bush League Open Championship and co-captain of the Bush League Open Cup team in a team matchup against Ruff's Golf Club. We're going to learn their story. He's going to make his picks and a little bit of a surprise at the end of those picks as well. So stay tuned. And we'll be right back. Dunphy Ford. Dunphy Ford is Mayfair's neighborhood Ford store. Nobody knows your neighborhood like Dunphy Ford. Nearly 40 years. Right here on Frankfurt Avenue. Generation after generation. Our neighbors continue to be our customers. We have access to the cars and trucks you want. With financing you need. Dunphy Ford is Northeast Philly's first choice for America's number one brand. 7700 Frankfurt Avenue in Mayfair. Online at www.dumpyford.com. Come experience the Dumpy difference. You'll be glad you did. And, guys, it's now time for the Blitz, where we break down one aspect of Penn State football, what they did well, what they didn't do well, 
or a key focus going forward. And tonight, we're going to talk about a play that put the football game away. A play that from Ricky Ronnie's play calling differed significantly from what we saw in the vast majority of the second half. And what we saw over the course of that second half was a lot of first down passing opportunities, a lot of throwing down the field, taking shots, three and outs. Well, they get the football back after a huge fourth down stop and a drop in this end zone. And so now the time is on their side. How does Penn State tick the clock out? And in the past and throughout the vast majority of this year, it's been Noah Kane, the guy who has taken them to the promised land, gotten that key first down, and run the rest of the clock down. Well, Noah Kane, starting from about the, let's call it the, the six or seven yard line, gets Penn State seven yards over the course of two plays. And that sets up a third down and three with about a minute 45 left and Michigan has one timeout. So are they going to go right back to Noah Kane or what are they going to do? Well, K.J. Hamler actually starts the play over here and comes in motion. He's going to end up right here. So he's still in motion the entire time. Defense is having to make decisions. Linebackers making adjustments. Safety's coming forward with K.J. coming in motion. The snap comes to Clifford, and K.J. takes the handoff, goes off tackle, and gets the first down. That's the simplistic version about what happened. But let's talk about complexity. Let's talk about running a power option here, and let's talk about the blocking down the field. C.J. Thorpe. Tyler mentioned at the other side of the break, splitting time with Mike Miranda. Miranda is a tremendous pass blocker. C.J. Thorpe holds his own, but he's as good a run blocker as you're going to find. A downhill type of guy. We talked about his attitude and his just want to drive somebody into the turf. Makes him a tremendous run blocker as well as his agility. So he comes from this right guard spot, and he's going to pull right here. And he's going to take this three-technique defensive end off the football and drive him inside. Pat Fryermuth, not just a great pass catcher, very athletic, also a decent blocker. He's also going to pull and lead K.J. Hamler through this hole. So K.J. is going to get the ball. Here comes Pat Fryermuth. He's going to take on this first linebacker, right? Because on this side, you're going to have Rasheed Walker pushing this defensive end out here. So here comes the linebacker, Pat Fryermuth to here. He's driving this wedge and creating this opening right here. Now, of course, Michigan is committing everybody they can once they see this. Safety's coming through, a cornerback coming in, and they're going to meet at the point of attack, and it's going to end up being right by the first down marker. And so that's when it's KJ's time to just make the play. And credit to KJ, he does it. He takes somebody on one-on-one, somebody bigger than him, and he goes, lowers the shoulder, takes a bad helmet-to-helmet hit, falls forward, gets the first down, and wins the football game. But again, we're looking past just the simple aspect of this. It's about Ricky Ronnie drawing up a perfect play to your best playmaker in a situation where he otherwise wouldn't normally get the football. I haven't seen this play. Yes, I've seen jet sweeps, but this is this is a jet sweep fake, if you will, right? You're running him this way. You expect him to take the ball and go. 
but he's going to stop on a dime right here, come back the other way, and you're going to put two of your best run blockers out there to create that wedge in the B gap and then let your playmaker make a play. So we can talk and have talked and we'll continue to talk about some of the struggles that Ricky Ronnie has as a play caller. And I can ask the question, why didn't we see this creativity throughout the balance of the second half? And that's all well and good. But this play right here was picture-perfect execution on a picture-perfect play call to end the football game, to move this team to 7-0, and to number six in the country. And I don't know what happens if they don't get that first down. So I give a ton of credit. I tip my cap to Ricky Ronnie, who came up with the right call at the right time. Much credit to C.J. Thorpe and to Pat Fryermuth for creating that wedge. And really, a complex design on a play that you really don't see very often to get to the play when you need it at the most. That's something they've been practicing since the summer, you can almost guarantee, waiting for the time that was perfect to put it in play. They did so. They executed it. And that's all you can ask for if you're a Penn State football fan. So that's the Blitz here today. We'll take a break. We'll come back on the other side. We'll talk briefly about Michigan State. Tyler and I are going to make our picks. And then Rob Kelly of Bush League Open will be on with us to make his picks as well. Thanks for being with us, and we'll be right back. Dunphy Ford. Dunphy Ford is Mayfair's neighborhood Ford store. Nobody knows your neighborhood like Dunphy Ford. Nearly 40 years. Right here on Frankfurt Avenue. Generation after generation. Our neighbors continue to be our customers. We have access to the cars and trucks you want with financing you need. Dumpy Ford is Northeast Philly's first choice for America's number one brand. 7700 Frankfurt Avenue in Mayfair. Online at www.dumpyford.com. Come experience the Dumpy difference. You'll be glad you did. And welcome back inside the Nittany Lions Sports Report. Bob Long and Tyler Gellhouse alongside. So you saw our Blitz segment. Now it's time to move forward and talk a little bit about Michigan State. Tyler. I know you had a few things to say about this game. This is a thorn in the side of Penn State for some time. Yeah, um, Michigan State, as we've already talked about, is give you know they specifically Brian Lewerke, the quarterback, the redshirt fifth-year senior, has arguably played his best games um, recently against Penn State. Um, that's why I think there's a lot of reason for concern. That's why I think that the line is only six and a half right now. For Penn State, you might expect a four and three Michigan State team and a seven and zero Penn State team to be the line to be a little different. The game's on the road. Um, Michigan State though is really hard to figure out this year. Um, the offense hasn't been there less in all their losses. Um, they haven't scored more than ten points, I believe, in any of those games. Um, actually, one being uh, Arizona State, they lost by seven. Um, Another one being Ohio State, they put up 10 points, and then they were shut out against Wisconsin most recently, but they're coming off of a bye week. With with that being said, um, this team is um, – it's hard to put um, a, finger, a fingerprint on this, I guess you could say, because they're having a lot of guys enter the transfer portal during the season, uh, which we saw with Penn State in the offseason. Um, with Penn State's case, um, similar to Michigan State's case, a lot of young, older guys that are being passed by younger guys, uh, which is the case with Michigan State. But it's it's a little weird, um, unique, I guess you could say, to see it during the season, and it's happening quite a bit. And um, I know Mark D'Antonio is actually in uh, could potentially be in some hot water 
Um, they're going to have some things after the season, which he's going to have to go to court for. Um, but with all that being said, you would expect Penn State to handle business, but you really just never know what you're getting with this team. I mean, they have a pretty good receiver in Daryl Stewart. They have a really good defensive end in uh, Kenny Willickis. They have a really good middle linebacker in Joe Bocci. There are players on this team. Um, they don't think the Michigan State reporters don't think their defense is nearly as good as it was last year. They don't think they have the playmakers on offense that they did last year. Um, so it's always a concern when you're playing Michigan State because D'Antonio's had Franklin's number, and Franklin's only beat him once since he's been here. So I think that's why there's areas of concern for this game on Saturday. Interesting regarding Mark D'Antonio. You mentioned the deposition that he's going to be part of related to the lawsuit against Michigan State. He also was due a lump sum of $4.3 million if he's still the coach on January the 15th, I want to say. That article was in the USA Today today. Today, today? Today. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just interesting because the circumstances that have changed since that deal was inked three or four mm -hmm. years ago, they were in the college football playoff, then got blown out. But how the tables have turned, though it hasn't for Penn State and they haven't been able to beat them, how the tables have turned for that program in and of itself. Listen, I, I hear you on the danger of a game against Michigan State on the road, and who knows, there might be a lightning storm that – calls off the game for three and a half hours. But absent that, I don't see an issue with them winning this football game. I could eat my words, but I think they beat a much better Michigan team at home last weekend yeah. and a much better Iowa team and, on the road the prior week. And two, I think that the style of play with an Iowa team is kind of what you're going to get with a Michigan State team. So I think they're ready for it. Um, and the Michigan State atmosphere is not, nothing quite like nighttime at Kinnick. Right. Um, I you mean, that's 3.30, so 2.30 Central. Yeah, and I mean, it's... they it's have, not going to get dark. Yeah, it, it's... Uh, they have a good fan base, but they're a struggling team right now. They're number one in basketball preseason pools um, rankings. That's right around the corner. you got to think people are going to start focusing out there on basketball, but um, that's that's when they'll, they'll come and upset you out of nowhere. So you got to believe Penn State's going to be on their, their A game. I mean, they have to be and just finish this three-game stretch tough. you got to buy next week, kind of recover, regroup for the final stretch here. The buy, actually, both buys, I think, for Penn State have come at the perfect points this year. I don't think you can draw it up any better. I mean, assuming that is win. the most cliche thing I've ever heard, but not just you. I'm just saying, oh, well, we got the buy at the perfect well, time. Well, I, I think because, I mean, if you think about it, the first one was after Pitt where they struggled. Yep. And it was right before Big Ten play opened up and kind of regroup. This one's after an incredibly tough stretch where you have the chance to go 3-0 and before going to Minnesota on the road, who will probably be undefeated at the time. They Let have, a, they have a bye as well. Would, before. You feel, would you feel better if we had the if Penn State had the bye this week after Michigan? Um, You don't need to answer that. I just mean I don't it's know. a cliche thing. Yeah, I mean, probably – I would actually say probably not because I wouldn't want them going on the road back-to-back -back Michigan State to Minnesota. Okay. I like, I like the break in between. I really think it's a big deal, uh, the bye week. I, I, I mean – one of the first things people look at when a schedule comes out is when when does the buy the yeah. buy come? So I think at this year the two the double buy comes at a good spot for Penn State. I don't know what the answer is, but I think your answer was good. By the so. way, by the way, speaking of answers, I do have to admit that I was wrong. Bob did say that Pitt would cover against Penn State. They did. I I was wrong. I admit it. 
Um, yeah, you were coming at we, me. At we, the end yeah, of last I was. I, I was. I thought Pitt was week two when I was looking at the the picks, but actually they were week three this year. Buffalo was week two. Um, so but, remind me, who has called every Penn State game correctly against the spread this year? Who was that? Yours truly. <laughs> but um, that yours we, truly we, is you. We, well, yeah. well, I called last week, right? I mean, we um, we've been pretty spot on yes. for the games no, this year, yes. and and I know we're going to get to that shortly. Um, but last week, I, I believe I said seven point victory. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said a late touchdown for Michigan. It actually wasn't that late. They almost had a late one to tie the game up, but. Um, we've been very specifically you, but it's been very close. So if you're watching these shows, it just shows how much um, how much we follow the team and how much we know. And our picks are really like pretty spot on. I mean, that's tremendous to say right now, but I, I I'd be careful about that because when we start getting things wrong, people are then going to say, "What are you not following the team anymore?" Hey, they can't say we're homers though because we've been right. So that's right. There you have it. So. We're going to have Rob Kelly on after we do our picks. We pre-recorded it last week. Uh, thankfully, there's no show coming into the studio after us. So we can go a little bit long here yeah, tonight, which usually, is great. Usually another show comes in. So. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so let's get right to our picks, my friend. All right, the picks that we have for this week. Uh, this was looking a little enticing. Um, Bob asked me to drop the picks a week before uh, because of his friend Rob, right? Yes. Um, he was in town and was going to do the picks. So... Um, at the time, it looked like it was going to be a top six matchup of Wisconsin Ohio State. Wisconsin falls to Illinois by one upset. Uh, they were thirty point favorites, and they lost mm. to Illinois. Um, but now, um, Wisconsin, after the loss, travels to Columbus to take on the Buckeyes of Ohio State. Ohio State's a better football team. They're at home. They win the football game, going away. Uh, yeah, I'm right there with the Ohio State. I'm actually interested to see though. You know. Um, the Wisconsin defense has been praised all year. I, I want to see how Ohio State does against Wisconsin. That's what I'm going to be watching for most. I don't think Wisconsin really has that great of a shot to win. I know they're two touchdown underdogs. That sounds about right. Um, interested to see um, from a Penn State perspective of what the Wisconsin defense can do to slow down Dobbins and Fields. And um, I think it'll be a good test for Ohio State, but they should pull it out. Um, the second game on our slate here, I have. Auburn traveling to Death Valley to take on the Tigers of LSU. Man, do I just say it again? LSU is a better football team. They're playing at home. I like those Tigers. Go Tigers, as it were. Joe Burrow having a great year. The defense I'm still not 100% certain on. Uh, but I know that I trust LSU more than I trust Auburn. And with those SEC West schools, SEC in general, that's usually how I pick these games. Who do I trust more? And I trust this LSU team to take care of business at home. Yeah, I think this game's going to be. An in, I think it's going to be closer than people think. Um, but at the end of the day, Joe Burrow, the quarterback for LSU, is actually leading the Heisman race right now, apparently. Um, and Bo Nix, still a true freshman, growing pains a couple weeks ago against Florida. Tough, tough environment to go into. It's a three thirty game. Um, I like the Tigers, the LSU Tigers here as well, Bob. Um, I think I think they're too much firepower on offense, and they score just enough points to win the game. There's nothing more fun than Gus Malzahn starting five or six and one, being a top ten team in the country, and people asking, "Man, <laughs> how much longer does he have left on the Auburn <laughs> sidelines?" Uh, Seems like it's I, all I don't, the time, right? I don't know. As long as he keeps beating top tier teams like Oregon in the non conference, having a top ten to top fifteen football team, it's not his fault. He's staying in the same division of the same conference with Alabama and LSU. 
It's absolutely bizarre that this guy has as much scrutiny as he has. Not to mention, they play tough teams out of conference almost right. every year, too. All the time. Yeah, so I, I, I never understand it either, why they're always looking at like the next guy in line, because they got a pretty good right now with him down there. Uh, next game, this is a interesting one for um, the Big Ten and uh, Penn State fans. Um, Notre Dame travels to Michigan Saturday night. Michigan coming off a tough loss. Played pretty well against Penn State. Uh, coming off a tough loss, Notre Dame might be the top one loss team right now in the country. Um, should be a really, really close game, I think. I mean, what do you want, Auburn fans? You want Gene Chizik back? Give me a freaking yeah, break. Yeah. I'm sorry. We're on to the next football game now, aren't we? I like Notre Dame in this one, uh, to be honest. I think it's going to be very close, has a chance to be very close. Uh, you're going to say that you don't think that Ian Book is having a good year. You don't think he's efficient the way he was last year. And uh, and you think Michigan's going to make mince meat out of him? But I think he still is a better college quarterback than Shea Patterson is in an offense more designed for him having success and throwing the ball down the field than Shea Patterson is. And I think Notre Dame wins a close one on the road, arguably their toughest test. But I think Georgia certainly would count as number one. So we'll say that certainly their second most difficult task. But it's a desperate Michigan team. That's the reason I, I threw that out there. They are desperate at this point, uh, either that or they've given up. It, c- it could go either way, but I think it's a desperate Michigan team, makes the game close. Notre Dame's a darn good football team, and they stay in the back end of the college football playoff race. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to say this is the week that Notre Dame's actually out of the college football race. I think that Michigan, I think you touched upon it, desperate. They didn't give up in that Penn State game. They fought back. Yep. Um, I think that's going to carry over. Um, to this week against Notre Dame, uh, Michigan. Ironically enough, some minus they're minus one. Um, they're they're a one point favorite right now, which but, means on a neutral site, right? But the FPI, the 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 Football Power Index, has them only at thirty seven point eight percent chance to win. Um, I, I think that they are. Um, I don't think they've given up yet. I mean, I think this game, if they lose, I think it might be kind of like the last straw. Also, some rumors came out today about Harbaugh. Um, his his reps are looking at NFL possibilities already um, from reliable sources um, on on Twitter today. Uh, so I don't know. I think the way that Michigan battled back, and I think it was a very tough loss for them last week, obviously at Penn State. I think they're going to battle back and and beat Notre Dame, um, and Notre Dame's going to be out of the uh, college football playoff race. Sorry to say that. I know you really like Notre Dame as your second favorite team. Mar- <laughs> married to a uh, fighting Irish. I was married into it. <laughs> well, listen, if they lose, I'll agree with you. They are out of the college football playoff race. Y- yes, they will be. Um, wow. Another another Temple game we're going to call. And, and Temple. All the, they, they, they're a fun team to pick because when they they're are. at home, they're a totally different team. Not to mention the AAC. It's actually not a bad conference. It's a fun conference. It's a fun, and anything can like happen. So um, this week we have UCF traveling to South Philadelphia to take on Temple. Yeah, I don't love the UCF team. I just think they're enough of a better football team than Temple to win the game. Um, I believe there's more talent on that roster that has accumulated over the course of the last three to four years simply because of their success. And while Temple's had an unbelievable run, 
I think UCF takes this one. Wow, I didn't realize UCF was 10, 10 and a half point favorites. Is that right? Ten yeah, and a half point favorites. That? How about that? Yeah, I, I mean, I love picking but, Temple at home. But I've it's done at it night. It's at night time. too. That crowd oh, is going to be true. electric. Wow, it's going to be an electric crowd there. What did I say about Wake Forest? What colors are the seats? Yeah, right. yeah we'll find out on well, Saturday Temple, night. Temple, but it's like that weird home field advantage that they play really well at home. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I do uh, it. I'm gonna go Temple. Uh, I, yeah. I, I, after I saw a ten and a Let's half, go. I didn't want to go Temple, but I know it'll make it interesting. It's a seven o'clock game. I know some rooting interest here. Um, I'll I'll take them in in the uh, hostile environment that is Lincoln Financial Field for the Temple Owls. Uh, we will take them. That's a great pick. I love that pick. <laughs> T so, for Temple. Um, that was uh, one, two, three, four. And then, okay, did you want to do the Miami – was it Miami-Pitt? Either one. Uh, no, they, they play each other, and then – Yeah. So that's what that's what Rob did, right? Yes, he okay, did. Okay, so we'll do – do you know who's home for that one, Bob? Yeah, Pitt. Okay, and so – And I like Pitt. Yeah, I, I was going to say the same thing. They're, they're, quiet, they're a quiet five-and-two team. So uh, Miami just isn't playing real well. Um, they did beat Virginia. They did. Um, Solid win I believe there. they – I might be mistaken, but I thought they had a bad loss this week. Or last week, I, I I could be mistaken. Maybe Virginia was like last Friday or something, so I could be mistaken. Two, but I want to say two. I don't know. Miami's a tough team to figure out. I mean, they had that one pretty good year with Mark Richt when they were ranked two up until the till the end, and ever since then they've kind of really fallen off a little bit. Um, and the ACC is obviously pretty weak, um, but I like Pitt as well. Yeah. Um, kind of, the more Pitt wins, the better it looks for Penn State as well too. Um, so that's the five games. We're gonna do a six ourselves. Um, we were talking about this last week when we were looking at the the uh, schedule, and uh, actually, Rutgers is seven and a half point underdogs at home against Liberty, the Flames of Liberty. Rutgers is rock bottom right now in college football. Um, you know, it really is like it's like the black eye of the Big Ten right now. Rutgers is. Um, it's a guaranteed win for pretty much anybody except UMass. It seems like um, the line aside. Head-to-head, Liberty travels to Piscataway to take on Rutgers. I got four words for you, Tyler. And those words are Liberty, 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 Liberty. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, Give me Liberty. Yeah. You <laughs> I, I, I'm going to go Liberty, too. I mean, I, it's, it's sad, but um, it, it, it's reality. Um, Rutgers is bad. Um, there's no way around it. Um, Liberty's Liberty's going to beat them. I don't know by how much, but they're they're going to beat them, and I can't believe it. That's but embarrassing. At, it is embarrassing, and it's you got to wonder if the Big Ten's starting to like second guess. I mean, I guess they like the New York market. Yeah. I wonder how much that's really helping. I wonder if a team like Syracuse could have helped more. Um, but regardless, they're in the Big Ten for now. Um, I got Liberty too, and then the final game we're going to go. Um, we're going to do Penn State, Michigan State. Penn State now six and a half point favorites. You got to be kidding me! That's what I, I I predicted it last week at six and a half. It oh came out at five goodness. and a half. Right now, ESPN has them at six and a half. You are unbelievable. Oh well, thank you. That yeah, is I told incredible. you. I, I told you I work for Vegas yes. part time. Um, six and a half point favorites as wow. of right now on ESPN. There you go, six and a half. It's not that I don't believe you. No, I know you guys will hear when we have Rob <clears> Kelly <throat> on in just a minute or so. Uh, Tyler had that to the T last Wednesday, I believe it was. Unbelievable. Wow. Okay, yeah. so here we are this time next week, 
and it's six and a half. So Rob picked it at the correct spread. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Perfect. So what do you have for that game, Bob? I like Penn State to win the football game and cover. Six and a half means that a touchdown spread wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, listen, I think this is a team that can win by two touchdowns. Yes, Michigan State, thorn in their side in the past. Last year, that was one of the worst football games that I've ever seen at any level. But that was a team that was coming off a horrible loss to Ohio State. Trace The last two years. The last two years, yes. Yes. Yeah, I'm talking specifically about the one at Beaver Stadium. The other one, Crazy Lightning Storm. Again, they lost both games. They uh, they deserve to lose both both of those games. But... I just don't see that happening this year. Michigan State isn't as good as they have been. Um, I've seen a deterioration in performance, a deterioration even in that defense to some extent. It's not the world-beating defense. It's still a a top quartile defense. But the offense is not really on the planet at the moment. That could change. Lewerke has a way of having career games against Penn State. Mm -hmm. But I like Penn State to cover this football game, and I'm hoping to continue my streak of getting every Penn State game right this year against the spread. You heard the man. He's undefeated. You are 7-0 picking Penn State this year with the spread, right? Yes. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, Yeah, I think uh, Michigan State's not as good as people had thought they were going to be. And I don't think – and I think Penn State is better than what people thought they were going to be. Um, I I just think that there's something, and I'm not saying Penn State's going to win the Big Ten and go undefeated and go to the college football playoff, but there's something about the focus of this team, um, the drive of this team. Uh, I just I, I feel good about this week, and I usually don't feel good about playing at Michigan State, uh, kind of like I usually don't feel good about playing at Iowa. Um, but I think Penn State's going to win. I think they're going to cover. I see. I think I see about 13 points. I think I'm right there with you. Um, like a 23-10, um, 26-13 type of game, maybe like a miss extra point. or You know, you just never know out there. Um, but, yeah, I have Penn State winning by 13 points. Um, you know, two touchdowns, 13 points, I guess, minus the extra point on one. But, what uh, was your score again? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go 26-13. Okay. That's what I'm going to go with. I'm going final 26-13. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's more either. I would be surprised if it was closer, though. I like 35 to 17. How about that? Okay. I like. I mean, that's good for the offense. I really like that. So, yep. yeah. It, it should be 330. I think, you know, I think they're going to come out. They have been coming out very good this year, actually, Penn State, for the most part. They've come out of the gates uh, firing this year for the most part. Um, you know, got to come out. Can't give Michigan State any life, I think. I mean, I think you got to, you know, let them know that they are the inferior team. And, um, you know, you got two years of payback. I don't really like the payback lines for college football, but the last two years they've really screwed up the season. So I think yep. you got to put that aside and, and, and really um, put Michigan State to rest for the season and put them at 4-4. Four and four. Well, we've done an hour before we've gotten to our guest picker, Rob Kelly. I guess that's what a whiteout week will do for you. That's it. Did you have any questions? I knew we talked uh, it during the commercial. You had some questions about – Bush League and about the cup. And- yeah, I mean, it It, it kind of reminds me of the wiffle ball tournament that we do, but I didn't realize that you guys had like a totally – there's two leagues, it sounds like, that merge. Two leagues. They and, play and their own the- championships every year. And where do they play, though? Because he's from California. So, I mean- so he's from California. They got a guy from Orlando. Um, they have some guys that live around here. Another guy from up in New York, uh, New York State, up hmm. past the city. And they are all LaSalle College High School guys that get together – 
and travel somewhere in the country or this year, the world. They're actually going to Toronto for their three-day golf extravaganza. And the winner wins a Claret Jug-style trophy, the Bush Lake Open Championship. Ruffs, myself, my brother, Kyle Martin, who's won the thing way too many times, unfortunately. But there is one trophy right above your head to your left. That is the one that I won back in 2018. Took down Kyle first time last time. Um, But happy that I did that. And uh, we thought we were getting evicted, essentially, from our course. There was um, eminent domain issues, shall we say, (laughs) in the Ruffs Golf Club as one half of the the course was being sold, similar to Field of Dreams in Iowa. Mm-hmm. And so we figured, what are we going to do? And we know these guys at Bush League, friends with them through high school, great dudes, awesome social media presence, got in touch and said, hey, let's supplement the competitions we do and have a team competition. So each league, each league plays an individual stroke play competition each year on their own, and then they join together as a team and play against the other. So that's the concept behind it. It's re- it's really cool. I mean, you you take it obviously very seriously with the trophy right here. Um, you know, I, I'm gonna have to look. Do you have any footage on your website? I mean, where yeah. can, where can we find some footage of this? Absolutely, Bob Long YouTube page on BobLongSports.com, BushLeagueOpen.com keeps a lot of the content there. That's a repository. So you know, anywhere you may look. But it, it all it kind of starts from the Bob Long Sports YouTube page, and then we post that to all the different links. Yeah, it sound, so, sounds really cool. Yeah, we, yeah, we filmed, uh, I mean, hours upon hours upon hours of content, but we probably have five or six hours of content out there from the three days if you want to go nice. watch. Very cool. Yeah. So Rob's picks are coming up after after this right here. That's and, right. Um, that's, is that pretty much it for the night? That's a wrap, my friend. All right. Sounds great. All right, so stay tuned for Rob Kelly, Bush League Open Commissioner and Co-Captain. Coming up next, he's trying to chase down Mara Long at 6-0. Christian Iannarone, oh, so close at (laughs) 5-1 last week. You got to go perfect these days, folks. That is the cauldron of the competition in which you find yourself. But enjoy the football next weekend, folks. Michigan State hosts Penn State. And until then, for Tyler Gellhouse, I'm Bob Long. Stay with us here. Rob Kelly is our guest here on the Nittany Lion Sports Report. Welcome back inside the Nittany Lion Sports Report. Bob Long, Tyler Gellhouse. Now, Gellhouse is not here at the moment. Obviously, we're going to head back to the studio in live time shortly. But pre-recorded, we have a special guest. And yes, the reason that we have such a witty board up here, MSU is Bush League. It's the commissioner of the Bush League Open Championship himself, Rob Kelly. Rob, it is great Rob, to have you, for my having man. Me. Appreciate it. Always yeah. a pleasure. Well, I appreciate that. It's your second time to the studios here. Let's hope this time goes a little bit better than <laughs> last time after that performance at the Cup. Uh, for those of you that don't know, the Cup is a, now an annual 54-hole team play match competition between the Bush League Open Championship and Ruffs Golf Club. Ruffs Golf Club is uh, an entity, we'll say, started by myself and my brother, Kevin Long, along with Kyle Martin, uh, deep in the annals of history and deep in the backyard of Horsham, where we have an annual golf tournament. Uh, Once I was fortunate to win, but I've been oh so close times before Kyle Martin uh, has taken home too many titles for my liking, but... uh, but that is our organization. Bush League travels all over the country and soon to be around the world yes, as you're heading we're international. Going international this year. 
this year. Uh, this is going to be our fifth year uh, as the Bush League. We're traveling to Toronto, Canada this year, so we're all looking forward to it. Yeah, so a little bit more in-depth about the Bush League, right? You're a group of amateur golfers. How you got together, how yeah. you made the decision uh, to take these trips, and then, of course, your social media presence. Of course. Uh, of course. You, how could you forget that, right? <laughs> so the Bush League, uh, are, what we are, we're a group of 12 guys, um, all the South College High School alums. Uh, we started in 2015. Really, it's just a way to get a few of us together. It really it was only four of us, actually, the first year. Um, knowing that we we're all moving around the country, uh, you know, after after college ends and real life begins, it was a way to bring us all together. After the first year, four guys, then it went to six guys, then it went to eight. We're at twelve guys now, and uh, like I said, all the Sal alums. It's really a great way to keep us all together. Uh, good way to be competitive and have a little fun, uh, and give us something to look forward to at the end of the year. And so we came across your page, obviously. I know you guys going back through high school. Yes. Certainly connected with and appreciated the opportunity to, you know, to, to speak with you guys anytime we could. And all of a sudden, Bush League starts blowing up on my time. Yeah, I'm like, yeah These we really guys. took off. It, it's been a fun run that we've had. And, and obviously, Bob Long Sports has been such a, a big presence in the sports world, kind of in the Philadelphia area. So, And, and obviously, knowing you so well, it's, it was a good opportunity for us to to mix the brands together and to uh, do some good for charity. That's right. Yes. Yeah. So we started the cup roughs against Bush league two organizations that kind of go about their business in different ways, quite right? Different. We're quite different indeed. Um, you know, roughs is playing on a 716 yard tipped out uh, golf course every year. And you guys are traveling to play some of the best courses in the, in the world now. And uh, we thought, hey, let's get together, do a Ryder Cup style thing, get everybody together again, and as you mentioned, raise some money for charity. So we were so fortunate last year to have Apollo Biomedical donate a, a big chunk of money to get our fundraising efforts started. And then over the course of the months leading into the competition, every one of the guys on both teams were able to donate and source donations from elsewhere. And we ended up raising about $3,000 to split between two charities. Yeah, so it was great. So we wanted to first off thank all the, 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 the sponsors and those who donated to us. And a special shout out to City of Philadelphia and to the Men of LaSalle, uh, who are the two benefactors of this year's cup. So next year's cup, the, uh, the benefactors are to be determined, but we are looking forward to it. Uh, dates are going to be May 2nd and May 3rd of 2020, again in the Philadelphia area. Um, so for those who uh, – we had a great showing last year of some fans and some family members who came out to support us, and uh, we're looking forward to it again this year. Yes, to the chagrin of some of the golf courses at which we played those <laughs> events. They had never seen spectators before. <laughs> uh, for that reason, and not for that reason only, but we may need to pick some new golf courses this year. We're not welcome back. <laughs> Just kidding. But it should be a great competition, and there are ways to stay involved. Rob, as you know, we've put a lot of content out there. So for folks that want to learn a little bit more about the Cup and how you can get you know, involved from a perspective of staying up to date, certainly we accept donations. Certainly we appreciate social media following and sharing. You we'll can go have to that on www.bushleagueopen.com, on Instagram, and on Twitter at, at Bush League Open. B-U-S-H. Yes, Bush, as in Bush, not the beer. No, no free sponsors here. Absolutely, no free ads. Even though you just volunteered, I did, it. I did that. But yes, 
Not, we're not affiliated. Yeah, and so on that, you'll see uh, the content from our YouTube page of all the broadcasts from last year. We, yeah, we, we had two great uh, cameramen who came and followed us around for two days. Uh, so we're really appreciative to those guys and, and, of course, to Bob for doing some commentating on it. Yeah, Alex Kristowski and Seamus Morgan were the cameramen who gave up essentially their weekends to do this. And they are Ruff's alums. Both of them were in the hunt for the Sportsmanship Flight Championship <laughs> this year but came up just short. Depressingly the sportsmanship short. was real because they spent uh, a good 18 hours of their day watching some pretty poor amateur golf. <laughs> so what, uh, what more can we, can we talk about from either Bush League perspective, from a cup perspective? You know, what did you guys take away from last year, year number one? Oof. Well, as the, uh, the co-captain of the Bush League with Anthony Caparizzo, uh, this was really bulletin board material for us, watching uh, – you know, watching – not the best performance out of our guys. But we learned one thing is playing the roughs. You know the short game is going to be good. You guys play on, what did you say, 716-yard course. Uh, Tita Green or Tita Approach, I'll call it. Bush League, I would say we hung in there with you for the most part. Um, but the short game was something this scrambling, especially you, Bob. We, you and I had some great matches throughout the weekend. And the short game is where we lost it. And, and putting, short game chips, I mean, that's what we need to work on. Um, there's a couple guys uh, who, who on the Bush League who certainly put up great fights. Ryan Abbott being one of them, um, Ben Jimo being another. I mean, they were they were really important to us. But at the end of the day, we couldn't get it done. Um, needless to say, that myself and Anthony had some stern words to our to our boys before going into next year. <laughs> unfortunately, we don't have those clips to to fire off for you now. Yeah, we can't put them on the air. No, unfortunately not. Well, we did have some great matches, you know, and we were fortunate to be at the top of the score sheets for, for each of our respective teams. The way it's shaping up, correct me if I'm wrong, it looks like we may have the opportunity to square off again this year. I think year. so. I'm looking forward to it, Bob. Uh, I, I, think, uh, I think it's going to be a good match. Obviously, yeah. our singles match was a tight one. I mean, that was it back was. and forth all the way till 14th, 15th hole. Uh, so I'm looking forward to another yeah. shot at it. Alt shot was a great match Alt shot well. was great. I mean, that was probably my... My most favorite uh, event of the of the weekend, playing with Ben Hankinson, who is a great player out of uh, out of Florida. He is one of my favorites to play with. Um, real gamer. So that's what and that's what all shot is. It's gaming. It's a, it's an event that you really never play until you're in a tournament. No one just goes out there and plays all shot. Right. Uh, so you got to be a gamer for it. You got to kind of get up for the moment, knowing that you're only going to hit half the shots. You're not yep. playing a full round of golf. So it's it's a fun one. And uh, and, and again, that was a great. A great round that we had that first opening morning. Yep, it was. It was great. It's one of those where you can't apologize at any point. You're going to put your guy in a tough spot. He's going to put you in a tough spot. It's all how about you how get you out recover. of it. Yep, hundred percent. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that again this year, Bob. So that's the cup between Bush League and Ruffs, and that will be May second and May third. A lot coming into play leading into that. Donation time links will be up soon. Uh, we ask you to please, please, please donate. Uh, we will have the uh, the charities that we're playing for coming up soon, uh, and that will be posted, I'm sure, on the Bob Long Sports Twitter as well as on the www.bushleagueopen.com. Yeah, and perhaps another way to supplement our revenue here. If anybody wants to take a class on how to be a good social media presence and perhaps to take some digs from time to time, Rob will offer some classes. Of course, you're going to have to pay him quite a premium for it because he does a tremendous you job. You can pay me in donations to the cup. That's, that's what right. I would prefer. Yes. I would prefer that. Indeed. But, okay, so that is the breakdown of the cup, breakdown of the Bush League Open. Anything yes. I missed? Uh, that is it. I mean, we are looking forward to doing it again, and hopefully we have a better showing, we have a better showing next year because 
I'll tell you, that stung. That really stung losing to you guys. And uh, But it, it gives us something to play for for next year. So we're looking forward to it. Well, we are looking forward to it as well. Of course, that's what this guy is right here. I'm not allowed to touch it. It's like the Stanley Cup. It's bad luck to touch it. <laughs> but I'll tell you, Bob, when I saw you drinking your uh, your Gatorade, out of the cup, uh, that that was all I needed. And I told the boys of the Bush League, remember this moment because you don't want to feel it again next yep, year. Yep, there you go. And I can absolutely understand Remember that. how this feels because I don't want to look at it again. Yep. And it was yep. it was Gatorade out of the cup that you drank. 100%. Yeah. 100%. No doubt about that. Well, yes, I am looking forward to it. I think it's going to be an unbelievably competitive cup this year. And uh, I know a couple of our guys have been putting in the work. Ryan Abbott, that guy is living at Play Around Golf over in Ardmore. Yeah, he's in there. He got a membership. He's in there every day. So I'm I'm excited to see where his game is. He uh, he said Kevin Boswick, he's coming for you. That was that was something along the lines of what I was hearing. Yeah, I'm sure he did say yeah, that. He needs it. No, absolutely. Oh, it's a great match. The lefty special. That is, I forgot that he's a lefty. Yeah. And then Anthony Caparizzo, I mean, last year he had a wedding uh, only, what, two weeks or so after the Cup. So he had a lot going on in his mind. I think he's going to be a tough one to uh, to beat next year for Kevin McClernand. Kevin well. McClernand. And Kevin McClernand has been put on notice, as I understand yes. it, through Twitter Oof. and other social media channels. Ah, I, I would not like to be him next year. I think Anthony's going to come out with a vengeance. All right. Well, this will all be settled on the tee box May 2nd and 3rd. We can't wait for it. The Cup between Bush League Open and Ruffs. And did, just wanted to tell your story, Rob, because it is a it is a fun one. Certainly we're intertwined with it here yes. at Bob Long Sports. Thanks for always inviting us in and, and keeping us part of the family. Happy to. You guys are great, great members of the family here. So it is time for now Pick'em. Pick'em is one of the fun things we're doing here. And you're chasing down my wife, believe Oof. it or not, 6-0, and Mara Long. I can't beat it. I just hope to tie it. So, That's right. So we'll see. That's right. In fact, if there's a tie... In theory, we're going to bring people back into the studio in the last week of the I, season. That's going to be tough. I love it. You're coming from it. San Fran. I'm here for it, Bob. You know, a cross-country flight is nothing for Bob Long Sports. Perfect. I appreciate that. So let's dive right into it. And this is for uh, the, the weekend of October 19th. And we're going to start with the following weekend. The weekend of October 26th. Thank you very much. Yes. The weekend of October 26th. Time flies when you're Oof. having fun. Wisconsin is traveling to Columbus, Ohio to take on that is going to be a good game. The Ohio State University, the, which they tried to trademark. I think I heard it failed, but good effort, good effort on them. I think this is going to be a great game. I mean, Big 10 football at its finest. No offense to 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 Penn State, but I think this is going to be a a grind em out game. Um I don't know. Wisconsin has a very potent offense. They've been scoring points this year. Uh, obviously, they beat Michigan. They beat Michigan State. But I, I, at the end of the day, I just think J.K. Dobbins, Justin Fields. I think they're they're too good, uh, too strong of an offense for them. I got thirty-one twenty-four Ohio State. Okay, so Ohio State picking up the win. These first five games are all going to be straight up, and then the Penn State game will be against the spread. Given where we are in the week, we're going to have to approximate that PSU spread. Next up. Auburn traveling to LSU, the Battle of the Tigers out there in the SEC West. Auburn, tough loss to Florida a few weeks ago. That loss clearly not coming in the SEC West. They still control their destiny with a freshman quarterback in Bo Nix. Bo Nix is, is an absolute unbelievable player. I mean, I uh, f first off, when you look at that Texas A&M game for, for Auburn, 
Kyle Field is one of the hardest places to play in the country. Not that Death Valley is any easier, but right. the way that he performed going in there and getting a win against AM, I was pretty impressed by him. Um, I will say, though, UF beat Auburn, and LSU just beat UF. So it's going to be interesting, and we're going to go transitive property here. I am taking LSU 35-28. Okay, LSU, I like that pick. The next one, man, we got good games this is a great slate. galore this coming is a great up. Slate. Notre Dame at Michigan. Now, we're picking this, full disclosure, before Michigan travels to Penn State yes. for the whiteout game. So you could be looking at a Michigan team down on its luck, continuing to struggle offensively, and now officially out of any college football playoff scenario. Or you could be looking at a rejuvenated Michigan team that is now right back in the mix it's and has a chance out of conference I, to make and, a and statement. This, that certainly is, is something that's going to be uh, – it will play a big factor in the game. The, the one thing that I, I look at is – Go back to now this week, last week, um, Notre Dame versus USC. I actually was at the game. I wanted to do a little a little scouting uh, before I came on to Bob Long Sports to make my <laughs> picks. Uh, Notre Dame looked shaky in the first half. They they were up twenty to three, playing press coverage on USC. They looked great. Second half, Brian Kelly, uh, for for whatever reason, decided to go into a three deep prevent defense for almost the entire half. Um, gave up uh, 24 points in the second half. Final score was 30 to 27. I just don't think Brian Kelly has it. He's not the, the it factor coach. I think as we've seen with Georgia, as we've seen uh, go back to the Miami game two years ago, I don't think he has it to win in big games. Uh, Clemson, of course, last year losing by 30 points. Um, it just Ian Book, I think, has regressed. I, I don't think they are as elite of a team as. If their name wasn't Notre Dame, they wouldn't be ranked as high. Put it that way. Um, I've got 27-23 Michigan. The only thing, and I'm not making the picks here, I'll make them with Tyler, but the one thing I'll say is all that may be true. If they do win this game against Michigan, you're looking at a team that will likely win out, be a one-loss team with that one loss coming to Georgia. Georgia now is going to be behind Notre Dame, you would think, by the end of the season by either losing that game to Florida, you would think, or losing an SEC championship game, that's a team that whether or not they're as good as they were last year could be well-equipped to be that fifth or sixth team knocking on the door at the end of the year. I just, I, you know, to be honest, Bob, I don't see it happening. With As of right now, where we sit today, their best win is against Virginia, yep. uh, who just lost to Miami on Friday night. Right. Um, I don't think that is as strong of a win as it could be. Obviously, they beat USC, who now is not who we thought they were going to be in the beginning of the year. Uh, they have Stanford on the schedule, who, again, not who we thought they were going to be. I just don't and, – and Georgia losing to uh, SC, that, that loss doesn't look as good as a undefeated 12-0 you know, or an 11-1 Georgia team. I could see Notre Dame playing in a New Year's Six Bowl and not making the playoff. Yep. Um, I just – I think there's better teams above them. You've got a, a great couple teams at the top of the Big Ten. Obviously, the SEC with LSU, Auburn. I mean, you've got some great Florida, Alabama. You've right. got too many good teams there. I think Oklahoma wins out. So I could see Notre Dame finishing the season around seven or eight if they, if they win this game. Yeah, just building blocks. They they tend to fall as the year goes on. But yes, well, and the I, Notre Dame you know uh, name unfortunately carries a lot of weight for those non Notre Dame fans. Sure, you know, they sell tickets. So yeah, yeah, that's very true. So we shall see where that one goes. We're going to take it back to the group of five. Yes. UCF 
coming to the absolute cauldron that has become Lincoln Financial that's Field. Right. Tyler Gellhouse, our temple of college football. Yeah, that's right. Yes, well, pun intended. Pun intended. Um, Tyler loves temple games. They struggle on the road. They seem to come up big at home. Who do you have in this one? Yeah, so this is one. I, it's hard to pick. UCF has looked shaky throughout the whole year. I mean, they just have. They just lost to Cincinnati. They lost to Pitt. Shout out to my friend Bill Berger for that one. Um, they really are. They're an interesting team. Obviously, the 2017 national champs, if you will. But Temple just beat Me- uh, Memphis last week. They are a good team as well. They they put the smackdown on Maryland earlier in the year. Uh, I think it's going to be a close one. I think Temple covers. But I've got 30-27 uh, UCF going into this one. UCF taking down Temple. And now we have one more straight-up game before we get to Penn State against the spread. And that is two teams that have been up and down. And that's down, Miami. Down, down. <laughs> Miami and Pittsburgh, an ACC matchup. Yeah, you know, this is going to be an interesting one, Bob. Um, Miami so hit or miss this year. They just They just took down number 20 Virginia last Friday night. Um, but again, they lost to, to, to UNC earlier in the year. You know, it's hard to get a read on them. Earlier in the year, you really thought they were going to be a great team. They're starting a, a redshirt freshman quarterback in Jaron Williams, but then they go and they lose to Florida in a tight one. I think if that game goes the other way, we might be talking about a different Miami team right now, but that's the way it fell. I, I don't know. It's going to be tough. Going to Pittsburgh is always a hard place to play for the Miami boys, especially if the weather is cold. If you go back... Um, two years when Miami was undefeated, uh, they were 11-0 and going into Pittsburgh, staring down a chance at the playoff, really, and they lost that game in, in freezing cold weather. They go down, they lose to Clemson in the ACC championship game, they lose to Wisconsin in the Orange Bowl. Um, but Pitt, I just, I can never bet on Pitt. I can never trust Pitt, to be honest with you. Uh, for how many years their kicker's name was Blewett? And I think they had a quarterback named Pickett. I, I just don't ever trust those guys. <laughs> their, so, their, their place kicker might have been named Blewett, but their punter was named Winslow. That's true. LaSalle, LaSalle College High School. Alum and a St. Alphonsus guy, Indeed. one of my own. Um, so at the end of the day, I'm going to give me the headwear, the headgear right now, Bob. Oh, there it is. There it is. Give him the canes. We're going with the canes, baby. <laughs> We're going with the canes. <laughs> All right, all right. Absolutely brilliant there from Rob Kelly. Is this the first headgear on Bob Long's It is, it is. God, I hope I have a better record than Corso. (laughs) He's terrible. Oh, that is good. All right, so we're going to have to come down for that one. For Penn State traveling to East Lansing to take on the Michigan State Spartans. Now, we asked a lot of Tyler Galhouse, co-host here for the Nittany Lions Sports Report, we asked him to pick the line, and uh, well ahead of time, he's playing Vegas, and he has Penn State minus six and a half against Michigan State, a struggling Spartans team, but of course we don't have the results of this weekend Correct. from Penn State Correct. to judge where this Nittany Line team comes in. Are they number five in the country, or are they suffering a tough loss and end up number 12? You pointed the Bush League when you said a tough loss. That really hurt, Bob. Wow, <laughs> I actually didn't. Yeah. That really hurt. Pun intended, perhaps. But, you know, so the six and a half is an interesting line. If it was me, I would put this line maybe closer to nine and a half. Um, you know, PSU, they they beat uh, – or they – I'm sorry. They, they have a couple good wins. Um, Michigan State just doesn't do it for me. They really – their defense has struggled, and they put up a goose egg at Wisconsin. Their offense just doesn't impress me. Um, 
I like this line at nine and a half. With that line being nine and a half, I still think Penn State covers. Uh, Penn State team, they do travel well. You can imagine there's going to be plenty of Nittany Line fans there. I got this 28-17 Penn State. Okay. But a low-scoring game, I'd probably, I imagine the under is going to be nice and low. Uh, that's Big Ten football if we're going to talk about it. It's going to be a grind them out game. 28-17, Nittany Lions. Rob Kelly, an expert job here making picks. We'll just see how it hey, shapes up after the weekend. If I can if I can tie Mora, I'll be back here. I will fly back, and, and we'll do a, a bowl special or whatever it is. We're going to hold you to that. All right, I'll be here. That's but good stuff. you got to go 6-0 first. Yes, you do. Can't put the cart before the horse. That's right. Rob Kelly of the Bush League Open Championship, the commissioner Breaking everything down for Bush League and, of course, for the Cup. We cannot wait for another year Looking of partnership. Forward Looking forward to it. And, everyone, again, if you if you do uh, want to make a donation to the two charities that we're going to be playing for, um, that will be out soon. I'm sure Bob Long Sports, Twitter, uh, Facebook, everything will be releasing that as well as the Bush League Open. So thank you all, and thanks to our sponsors as well. Absolutely. We'll head it uh, back to the studio now. Bob and Tyler will make their picks, and we will – Bit ado, our good friend Rob Kelly. Thank you, Bob. Appreciate it. And uh, enjoy this wonderful slate of college football, everyone. Thanks very much to Rob Kelly, who is with us here on the Nittany Lions Sports Report. And making his picks, best of luck to him as he chases down Mar along. Thanks also for giving us a background on the Bush League Open Championship. We talked a lot about the Cup. And the Cup 2020 comes to you the first weekend in May in the year 2020. We look forward to that partnership. We will continue to give information about the giving that you can do through donations for the charitable causes for which we'll be playing. And many, many more things to come from Rob, from Anthony Caparizzo, his co-captain, and from the rest of the Bush League squad. We appreciate the partnership. Penn State fans, enjoy the football game this weekend. Thanks for being with us here. It was a long show this evening, and I think we got to a lot of good stuff. So we will talk to you same time next week, Tuesday, 730, on the Nittany Lions Sports Report.